Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for tuning in. And we made it. Oh, it's been crazy weather here, and uh, it's beginning to feel a lot like Christmas. We didn't have snow here in central or no- northeast Wisconsin, I should say. Uh, Milwaukee gets buried. The Upper Peninsula of Michigan gets buried uh, out uh, just west a little bit, a couple hours. Madison, they get hammered. Green Bay area, I don't know. It's weird. In the 60s and 70s, I remember. Just tons of snow, but something has happened in the weather weather patterns uh, with the Gulf here. I don't know, with the um, uh, Bay, not the Gulf, but it's just crazy. But we're thankful it's Friday, TGIF Day, and I can't wait to talk to our Texas-based guest today <laughs> in just a minute. Father in heaven, thank you for waking us up today, for giving us life. Thank you that we are new creations in you, and thank you that you prepared us for works to do, and I pray that we would walk in obedience to your word, being led by the Holy Spirit in everything we do and say. I pray that we would be good witnesses, that we would be salt and light. This country and the culture needs it desperately. So, Father, encourage the hearts of Christians listening right now. Strengthen them that they might realize the job we have to do. It is a a tall order what we have to do in this country, but we've got to keep pressing on and keeping our sights set on you, Lord. So help us to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, and help us, God, to do the the work one day at a time uh, to be impactful in this culture. And uh, may the church be essential again. We love you and praise you, and we give you all honor and glory. Thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. We're blessed to have back with us Pastor Chris Chris Quintana. You were supposed to be here this weekend, Chris. What happened? <laughs> Weather happened. Uh, <laughs> it was <laughs> the day before I was supposed to fly out. I, I got a call from uh, Appleton and just said, "Gosh, it's with the wind chill supposed to be about thirty below on Sunday, and we think that people may not show up to church." So, it didn't make a lot of sense to fly you all the way out here. And I totally understand. It's it's crazy what you're going to get for weather in the next few days. It is Well, you missed our first snowstorm of the season. You missed it. Uh, as I was saying earlier, we didn't have a white Christmas, uh, but but now we're, we've got a white February, so we might have a white Valentine's Day. So, um, yeah, a lot of snow here. I don't know what other parts of the country are dealing with, but, um, yeah, it just, it just happens. Do you, would you recognize anything, before we get into the, some of the topics today, about just really bizarre or chaotic weather patterns increasing in these days? Uh, you know, I know that there's a change uh, from place to place. And, and of course, like everything, the, uh, the, the, the people who love to use the crises to try to manipulate things will, will not show where when it's crazy cold in one place, it's warmer than it was in other places, uh, traditionally. So yeah. what it just tells you is that weather and things like that are cyclical, and you can tell historically that's the case. I mean, Georgia uh, used to have a glacier from the north out of it. Most of North America, uh, our, our, you know, our country uh, at one point had glaciers all throughout the northern half of the, of the country. And that all receded at some time before anybody was there to see it. We just see the evidence of it. So you have to ask yourself, how did that change? Mm. And it's prophetic. A lot of this is prophetic, what we're Mm -hmm. seeing. And as you know, you preach on it. Um, Chris, before we get into some of these topics today, I'm looking at this list. If we get to most of them, I'm thinking, wow, people, um, you can't help but shake your head. You can't help but say, wow, how did we let it get to this point in this country that was a former republic under God, but we still have the Constitution. Uh, Allegedly, that's still the law of the land, but there's a lot coming against our First Amendment rights, and I just want you to share your thoughts on how fortunate we are and how how we often in the Church fail to recognize that for 2,000 years, 
This is the anomaly, having a constitution and the freedoms, freedom of speech, of religious expression, to assemble and petition government peacefully. Most nations, that it is unheard of. So just share your thoughts and what we're still thankful to live in this country, regardless of everything that's going on. Yeah, absolutely thankful. I, the thing that's so frustrating, and I know that you you agree on this, we, we've talked about it. What we're sad to see is that something that is there isn't put to use. Mm. In fact, um, it, it's being infringed upon by the very people who say that they're supposed to protect it, and the people let them get away with it. And that's what's so frustrating. Uh, we have this incredible system of government that was given to us, and it's being turned on its head, and people aren't using their God-given, you know, ability that's here. And I, when I say God-given, I mean it seriously, that I believe that uh, that God holds accountable those people to whom he's given so much freedom, let it be taken from them, because hmm. uh, they're going to have to deal with the consequences. Yep. And what we're seeing right now in our country is because too many people have remained silent, not realizing they have the power to do something about it. They stand by idly while those things are taken away from them. How much of that, what you just said, that people generally, people, American citizens, but Christians are citizens (laughs) of this country, how much of that do you put on the pastors and church leaders through the decades that have been silent on Bible prophecy, on cultural or so-called controversial or social issues, not addressing what's going on in our culture, the attacks on our freedoms, the taking God out of the public square, the lies about the separation of church and state, the uh, cultural Marxism that is rampant now in America. How much of that, our silence generally, do you put on the pastors and church leaders over the last, say, 50 years? Well, for for the people that would be going to those churches, I put <laughs> Good so point. much of the, yeah, I, the people, remember that, as the old saying, that the fish rots from the head down. So if we're saying that that segment of the society that's watching this take place and not using their voice, that's because they're not challenged over the pulpit. So it's kind of cause and effect. Why is it that so much of Christianity is totally clueless at what's happening in the, in the society around them? They're never seeing it addressed over the pulpit, and that's that's got a variety of reasons too. I've talked with them; I am one of them, and uh, you find that half the time it's just fear. They're afraid to say anything because they're afraid that the government will shut them down. I used to have that question asked all the time about 501c3 and all that. Mm. And I'll tell you, David, again, you and I have talked about this probably off air. But um, I would say I would address all kinds of things over the pulpit, and then I would tell them around election season, hey, I can't hand you a voter guide that might you know, persuade you one way or the other on a particular candidate, but as soon as I step down from this pulpit, I'm a private citizen, so come and ask me, and I'll tell you where I get my information. <laughs> That's funny. Um, by the way, you brought up an interesting point, the 501c3. Uh, I wasn't planning on going here today, but I think since we are going to talk about the First Amendment and we're talking about freedom of religious expression and this hammer coming down in our culture, the cancel culture um, on Christians, on conservatives, the Johnson Amendment, uh, we don't we don't remember what actually happened with that. Lyndon B. Johnson was a uh, Democrat. He was uh, very progressive, and in fact, some anti-communist groups were coming against him. Some conservative groups were uh, coming against him and trying to raise awareness about his policies before he, when he was a senator, before he became president. He came up with this bill that he slipped in on the Senate floor when they were debating some economic uh, overhaul, tax over the tax code, overhaul bill. That's what they were doing. So he slips in the Johnson Amendment, which affected the speech and, and political speech, so-called. So what happened was it would affect a 501c3, but there was so much ignorance about that to this day, Chris, as you, you know this more better than a lot of us because you were a pastor for years out in California. People think that you cannot say anything about politics from the pulpit or about social issues, but the only thing, according to the Johnson Amendment, the only thing you cannot do is endorse a candidate from the pulpit. Okay, one more thing. You cannot technically give church money to a campaign. 
Chris, your thoughts on this, because this was kind of an underlying thing. That was 1954, and pastors and church leaders, because of the threat of the Johnson Amendment, they kind of stopped talking about anything remotely controversial. Your thoughts? Yeah, that's the frustrating thing, and I, I would address it by name over the pulpit about the Johnson Amendment and uh, 501c3. I explained to the people, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that they did one part of that, that we were, were treated differently from a tax point of view, because you, you visited our property at one time, and that's smack dab in the middle of Orange County. Mm-hmm. And if we were like a for-profit business and then taxed on that property, it would have put us out of business. So I, I was able to say to our congregation and to anybody who wanted to hear, I won't pull some candidate up on the pulpit and tell them, tell people to vote for this guy or this woman, um, nor would I give them their give the candidate money from the church, but everything else is is totally fair game. Mm-hmm. So I would tell people about things that were were happening. You could address them in the larger part, the uh, the culture, or you could talk about specific things that were going on. And it was okay to to do so. And you know, from my understanding, it still hasn't changed. There's never been a successful prosecution of a church based upon the Johnson Amendment since it was implemented. Mm. Um, let's talk about President Trump for a moment. <laughs> a lot of people, that, right? They're just saying that triggers a lot of people. Um, a, a, lot of, a lot of so-called prophets, and you can share your thoughts on that, um, mm-hmm. said he, President Trump, Donald Trump is going to be reelected for another four years, and they put it out there, and they, I don't know if they gave any any biblical uh, backing to that at all. I don't think they could have, but they did say they were adamant, many of them, and saying, no, you know, take heart. He will be reelected another four years. Chris, were they wrong? And if so, do they have to apologize? Uh, do they have to repent for that? Or were they right? And they can use the excuse of the election was stolen, voter fraud. He was technically reelected, but now he's just not the president. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I, there's always that that way of finding weasel words. They're going to say, <laughs> "Well, he could be reelected in 2024." You oh. know, uh, we we just. I actually, I think it was Chris Valentin who had to, the guy from Bethel had to say, "You know, I'm still. It's a practice. You know, I'm practicing the office of prophet." It's like, well practicing anything in the Old Testament sense, it gets you stoned when you're wrong. Yeah, so exactly. I, I just, I have to chuckle when I hear these people, these self-proclaimed prophets. But again, it's it goes back to what we started. Those guys exist only because people allow them to exist. And unfortunately, because the church is in the shape that it's in, people don't vote with their feet as they should. And so if somebody claims to be a prophet, okay, great, then you know, I, we can deal with the office of prophet later and all that stuff. But the problem is, I don't know a single one of those people that hasn't been wrong before. So mm. the fact that they even have a platform says more about the church than it does about the would-be prophet, because they're interchangeable. But the people that line up and support them financially, they're the problem. And again, it's the systemic problem. The church doesn't teach the Word of God, so the people are ignorant. That's a good point. The people that support them... Because um, I know there's a, some articles that came out recently about, uh, hey, what, you know, the, these prophets were wrong, uh, but but isn't some of that on us? So good point, Chris. Um, we've got six more minutes left, and I want to jump into one article here. Uh, this is called uh, First Steps for Surviving What's Coming Our Way. This was over at American Thinker. Now, I, I do say that some of this gets into uh, prepping and, you know, having supplies for a year and a half and doing this. But there are some valid points here because the general uh, idea of the, uh, of the article is this administration and the direction of the world with the Great Reset happening, the global influence, cultural Marxism, and now this administration with all three branches of government pretty much, things are going to be changing. I just saw a headline this morning, Democrats are trying to you know, get Biden to cancel student debt. I'm going, who's going to pay for that? How are they going to put colleges out of business? Anyway, there's so many questions. But it says we have a constitutional republic while we are still here. But what's happening now with military troops occupying the nation's capital, there's so many things, plus what governors are doing. It's kind of like a form of martial law in that the mask mandates and these social distancing and all these rules and, and ordinances 
and restrictions even on churches. This is something that we haven't seen in this country. These are affecting our freedom of expression, religious expression, when it comes to churches and telling us how we can uh, worship Jesus. And also, there are lawsuits. Churches are dealing with lawsuits now, just assembling and just trying to have a, a, a basic service, but they're trying to tell us how to do it. What are your concerns about this when it comes to, I didn't even get into our culture and censorship and the cancel culture, but as far as where churches are concerned and what Christians have to kind of watch out for now? Gosh, you know, it's so, we're in the in the place now of speculating about things that we probably never really even thought were possible, mm-hmm. at least not in this country. We see it everywhere else, but the idea that could happen here. But throw in the uh, the way that people react because of fear and shutting themselves in, you know, that goes along with a, are you prepared for being stuck in your house? But... Uh, the, Kind of along the lines of this, my wife and I were talking. You know, she was she worked in the uh, the criminal courts in uh, L.A., and she was taking a case of um, people that were operating a, a methamphetamine lab, and the, and one of the experts was talking about how that particular drug will rewire the person's brain, hmm. and it just does something chemically and rewires things. They they they're just they act differently afterwards, and I'm thinking. COVID, I believe, has done that mm-hmm. to our culture. The rewiring of people for fear. Yes. We were in a store yesterday, and you know, I wasn't wearing a mask, and people pulled down the aisle and saw me and turned around and went the other way. <laughs> and you just think, people are being conditioned to wow. something that is, is just hard to imagine uh, even a year ago, and yet here we are. The, the thing was supposed to be two weeks to flatten the curve, and it's, it's a year to flatten the economy and, and, a, and a year to flatten common sense. Mm-hmm. But we're nonetheless being programmed to accept things we never would have accepted before. So it's it's, it's hard to say, oh, preppers are nuts. Well, I don't know. I'm looking at things a year ago, and if you had told me we'd been here now yep. based on what was happening a year ago, we'd have looked at each other and thought, yeah, that's that's fanciful. So this article he sees says progressive Marxist Leninists, these regimes all have a few common themes as they consolidate power. These include the criminalization of free speech, free assembly, elimination of a free press and religious freedoms, and a sustained and brutal attack on the civilian ownership of firearms. Well, the last one hasn't come yet, but free speech, free assembly, elimination of a free press— we do not have a free press necessarily. We have a one-party Democrat media in America. And that's not to say there are not any conservative outlets and you can't get fair reporting some places. But overall, we have a one-party media. We have all, they have all three branches of government now, and they have almost every major institution in America, the public education system, the, the media, the, the, the you know, government branch, the, the deep state, of course. They've got the entertainment industry. And Chris, our concern is they've infiltrated the church, too, haven't they? Show me a part where they haven't. Hmm. Um, I, I just I'm of that opinion and, and have been for a long time that the genuine church I mean, the, the, the regenerated by the Spirit of the living God, born-again church, is a really small group of people. So we're finding that it's, it's the cancel—people need to understand even the term cancel culture if they don't understand it. It's basically, we're going to just erase you if we don't agree with you. If you don't agree with us is a better way of saying it. We're going to erase you. And so to, to look at that, you have not only the conservatives— where you are politically, they're on the radar, but the Christians are a whole different ball of wax for them because they're going to start to fight against this change in cultural norms. If you don't accept transgenderism, if you don't accept alternative views of sexuality and all the other things that shouldn't even be an issue, but now they're being celebrated and anybody that looks askant at those things are now the problem. Hmm. And that the cancel culture is coming for the church, but much of the church doesn't even talk about this. Again, going back to the beginning, the pulpits don't talk about it. Um, most of the church is still caught up in trying to make it a business, mm. and how do you keep the people in the seats and sell a product? Yeah. Um, 
that's the problem with the churches. So people are not being prepared for this. I have one guest that calls uh, mega churches uh, entertainment centers um, with a CEO in leadership. And I'm going, well, you know, not all of them, but I can see how some people get that impression from a lot. Well, we've got Chris Quintana on the line from Texas, and we're going to talk about his T-shirt, Make Orwell Fiction Again. Plus, the Biden administration isn't putting kids in cages. They are using, quote, overflow facilities. More on Stand Up For The Truth in a minute. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Our guest, Pastor Chris Quintana down there in Fort Worth area, Weatherford, Texas. And before we get to uh, those two points we mentioned before we took a break, I see this article that John Kerry is defending taking a private jet to accept a climate award over in Iceland. And, uh, you know, I guess he's all about uh, trying to push to get the U.S. to zero emissions. And um, Fox News reported that he owns a Gulfstream private jet, which apparently belongs to his billionaire wife, Teresa Hines Carey. Um, it's a private. But, but you know, they can justify that. It seems like every time they have one of those big climate uh, meetings in Hollywood, uh, Leo De- whatever, George Clooney, Leo DiCaprio, and all these other, Tom Hanks, or whoever else goes to those. Oh, but they're doing it for the good of the people to raise awareness. So forget their, the carbons they're emitting, right? Uh, just your thoughts on this hypocrisy, Chris. Yeah, and, I, you know, it's funny. We use the word hypocrisy because it's a great English way to describe it. But they, I don't think that they're even aware of, of their hypocrisy. Uh, in an unguarded moment recently, and I've, I've tried to find the exact quote, but Kerry pretty much admitted that if we turned ourselves to zero emissions in the United States, it doesn't change the overall global push to get rid of CO2, which God put the filtration system in place anyway. Yes. But, you know, be that as it may, that our contribution to it has been going down over the years anyway, but we're not the problem for it. If If you could put the CO2 as the the greenhouse gases as the reason for global warming, quote unquote, um, our contribution to it compared to other countries wouldn't even make a dent in the problem. So the idea that they want to force those kinds of hardships on us while they, you know, globe trot, basically get in on a plane going to Iceland, you should say, why don't you just fax it over to me and we'll, <laughs> you know, we'll save the planet. Exactly. Polar bears having to swim. Oh, exactly. But, but go ahead. Again, they don't see the irony. The article that you uh, referred to, I see it over at the New York Post. Kerry admits zero emissions in U.S. wouldn't make difference in climate change. Oh, my goodness. All right. Chris, you've got to ex- explain your T-shirt, please. Uh, make Orwell <laughs> fiction again. Are we, in the, are we in 1984 or what? <laughs> yeah, the dystopian future. So Orwell, when he writes that, it's kind of coming out of the Second World War, 1984. And, um, you know, as I read it, it looks to me, it's just a guy who said, what if the bad guys actually had won? And uh, the I did see that was cancel culture before there was cancel mm. culture. So when you hear thought police and uh, mind crimes and things like that, those are terms used in the book. And so um, Orwell pretty much looked at a world of what is shaping up to look a lot like ours right now. And it was kind of a almost apocalyptic at the time when you'd read it because it seems so distant and impossible. And yet we see every single day it moves closer towards that really kind of horrible authoritarian. We're going to we're going to tell you what you're supposed to believe and what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to think, if not. It's not going to end well for you. And um, so I bought a shirt that says make Orwell fiction again because it's become much more like reality. Mm, it is, and it's, it's a frightening reality. But for those of us who have been not only rooted in the Bible and understand prophecy, um, and those of us who have been paying attention to world events, cultural events throughout however many years, it, it is disappointing but not surprising. I, I want to go to another article here. I talk so much about exposing the media for who they are, and and I just hope people are seeing this without you and I, Chris, pointing this out. When President Trump 
uh, had uh, people at the border or children or families and used these, you know, fences and they called them cages, right? Uh, whatever you want to call them. The same thing's happening. The Obama administration did the same thing, by the way, but they blamed it on Trump. There's a new article even over at CNN. It says Biden administration prepares to open, ready, overflow facility for migrant children. So they're not putting kids in cages. They're putting them in, quote, overflow facilities. So Trump bad, Biden good. Same policy, right? Yeah, exactly. It's it's all the incendiary language because it, it works and it gets people stirred up. And that just shows you how if you can even control the way something is said, it changes the perception. But those pictures that made it all around and they were trying to blame it on Trump were from the Obama years, which tells you that the law and the policy was already in place. The difference was that that uh, Trump actually enforced it because there was a, a fabricated insurgence of people coming in. That was the only way they could deal with it. So we were treated to all these horrible stories about children being ripped from their mother's arms. Yep. And as though every single one of the people coming across was that way. The reality was that you don't really you don't even know who these people are, whether the children belong to them or not. And the last thing you want to do is put a child in with the general population of adults since you don't know anything about them. Right. So when you have an overrun of people, you've got to find a place to put the children as you try to vet them and find out who's who and who belongs to whom and what are the claims. And again, it was being done somewhat under Obama, but it was a catch and release kind of a thing. But as far as Trump is concerned, yeah, but we don't know that we can trust this. So we're going to get to the bottom of it before. And that's what the law was supposed to be. He actually enforced the law and was vilified for it. Now they're stuck with the same logistical problem, but they'll just change the way that it's worded because it's not going to inflame and make people angry. Right. They don't want people angry at Biden. Um, But that's just such amazing. Again, you guys, CNN and others uh, in the, the, the liberal media activists are using the words overflow facilities. They're using the same, quote, cages, you know, as uh, the Trump administration was using when they were enforcing our immigration laws. Chris, one thing that we don't hear much about, um, aren't we or shouldn't we as a nation be concerned about COVID coming over from the southern border, from all these people from other countries coming over unmasked or masked? It doesn't matter. Do we know, have they been, have they all been given COVID tests at the border? No. Shouldn't we be concerned about this or is this now okay because it's a different administration? We're just welcoming anybody into the country. Well, see, there you go. And I asked this question two weeks ago when we heard about the caravans. Is what are you going to do right? by the administration? You're going to run headlong into two competing policies. Mm-hmm. You're either going to let them in because you're opening the borders or you're going to violate all of your stringent COVID, you know, the protocols and everything else. They're, they really are going to be stuck with a dilemma and they're starting to see the beginning parts of it. So we're hearing that they're going to start the catch and release thing. And if people don't know what catch and release is, you catch them at the border and you say, here is your appearance to uh, uh, your notice of appearance. You've got to come back and we've got to hear your case, but go ahead and, and wander around the United States and we'll trust that you'll come back. So I mean, it's like nobody ever does that. It's a game and they all know it. And that's why they come. But, you know, the the idea that somehow we're, they're going to have to make a decision they're not going to be held to account for whatever decision they make because the media will just pretend like it's a non-issue. Okay, so another thing that the media has done recently that it's been amazing to look at some of these headlines about the, the state capitol and the fencing, the razor wire. They're building a wall and fences around the capitol, but they don't believe in walls or fences on our southern border. And they are saying, really what they're saying without saying the words is, we are we are fearful of the Trump supporters or the religious right or the uh, Republicans or, you know, those right wingers from middle America that would come and and uh, petition the government for a redress of grievances, as is uh, protected under the First Amendment. But now they're saying for that, for, for people that just peaceably and 98 percent of those people at the Capitol on January 6th or whenever that was that around that time, they were peaceful people. These are, they were old, they were senior citizens. 
They were just there wearing red, white, and blue, saying this is still the people's country. This is our country. Chris, your thoughts on this when the media is putting out this image of, uh uh-oh, the Democrat administration has to be now on guard at all times for these radicals wanting to cause violence. And now they're, they're, they're using that to push the impeachment against a president that's not even in office anymore. Yeah, and actually, to me, there's part of me that says I'm kind of hoping that they do follow through with it so that they can make their case on this, the Trump administration. But, you know, we pretty much want to be able to say uh, you, you wish that people had a, at least enough curiosity to even, con, you know, to even try to come to the, the understanding that there could be some hypocrisy here. The hypocrisy is why do you put up fences in the first place? Well, that's because the people inside the fences are under threat. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to keep people who may have bad, you know, bad intentions or do some kind of harm. They're supposed to keep them out. Well, that's really ultimately the same thing. In fact, I just read an article yesterday that they had arrested 11 Iranians coming through the border on the south. Hmm. And you just have to ask yourself, OK, so did they have children and were, were they ripped away from their mothers? And, you know, the narrative doesn't work when you hear those kinds of stories. But what I'm hoping that they do with with uh, President Trump is to say, all right, you guys want to make this an impeachment. You want to talk about incitement. Let's talk about what actually happened. So that's when they get to show the FBI was saying that the pre-planning for this was happening. And it was from the, the leftists, mm. the, the same Antifa types that are doing what they're doing in Portland, and Seattle and everywhere else. Those were the same kind of people to do it. And it was done to exploit and to inflame people. Because, again, the media is going to control the narrative and they're going to put microphones in front of the AOCs of the world who can talk about, you know, I felt threatened. You know, my life was threatened, but she wasn't even in the Capitol. So, you know, it, it's you never let a good crisis go to waste, as Rahm Emanuel once said. Yep. But man, it's on steroids now. Yep. Um, should she be held accountable at all? I mean, I don't know that it can happen because she's a Democrat socialist or a liberal Democrat. Uh, but typically, if, if a Republican said something like that, accused, let's just say a Republican accused a Democrat of of threatening their life or something, uh, there would probably be some sort of investigation. Her rhetoric is, is just off the charts, a lot of times wacky. Um, but Nobody says anything. It just seems like she gets away with it. And then they start looking at what she's saying as if there's some truth to it. Well, and see, again, you, you just said it. it's the double standard. So, I mean, yesterday they were stripping uh, Representative Green of all of her committee um, positions because of something she said before she was elected. Um, but they went after Boebert, uh, the, the Congresswoman Boebert, uh, who who wants to be able to carry for her own protection on Capitol Hill. And it was Nancy Pelosi that was saying about being threatened and all the rest of this stuff. And, you know, pretty much I would love Bobert or anybody like her to say, look, my life, it's not worth taking your life for me to spend the rest of mine in jail. <clears throat> and I don't have the desire to do that to you anyway, Nancy. So quit being such a drama queen. But they'll never hold them to the same standards. If you're on the left, you get away with all kinds of silly things and nobody even pays attention. But if you say anything, Man, they're gonna they're gonna have as much of a they're gonna ride that until the legs fall off, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the rhetoric is it, for years. If you're on the left, it seems like you can get away with saying go intimidate people in restaurants, get in their faces. Um, I mean, Maxine Waters from California. I, I talk about someone that needs to retire. Um, she said something about President Trump that he should quote, absolutely be charged with premeditated murder for what happened, the so-called insurrection at the Capitol. This kind of language, all it does is further divide people that are ignorant and don't know what really happened, that that are not informed. And Chris, I don't know how we're going to get around this because, like I said, we do not have a fair media in this country. It is a I mean no I don't know if that's a double standard or not. They're really getting away with inflammatory speech. And then they they have this way of point, accusing us people who don't agree with them. We're the ones that are causing the division and the violence and people are buying it. That's my concern. I, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Well, see that's exactly it. You you pretty much 
how many places could we point to? And we've already pointed to several of them just in this program of the double standards that, you know, they're saying that Trump said, go down peacefully and ha- have your voices heard. But you've heard the things like Cory Booker has said, or like you mentioned, Maxine Waters, the incendiary things said by the left. And everybody just whistles past the graveyard yeah, because it's assumed those people have good intentions and, you know, they, they get a free pass from it. But that tells us again how poorly educated the population is because of how thoroughly filtered their information is. So, like you pointed out, how you just change a few words in the CNN article about kids being, you know, uh, detained at the border, and they can make it sound totally different than it actually is, just on the words that they choose. Okay, Chris, one more. I just saw another headline. i got to get your thoughts on this. We've only got two and a half minutes uh, before we have to take another break, but um, you got to bring up Nancy Pelosi, the gift that keeps on giving. Um, on, on holding the Trump impeachment trial. Now she's, she's bringing her religion into this, and I say religion, not faith or Christianity or relationship. She said, Pope Paul VI said, if you want peace, work for justice, and that's what the Democrats are doing. So wh- what, is, she, is she really fooling anybody? Uh, I know she, she claims to be Catholic, and I don't know her heart. But Jesus did say you will know them by their fruit. But did the po- yeah. So the Pope said, if you want peace, work for justice. They've redefined justice. That's the problem, isn't it? Yes, and I would—man, I show it all the time. There is this incredible little question that was asked to Dennis Prager about justice, and he basically said when you have to put an adjective in front of the noun justice, you know that you no longer have justice. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's how you define what is just or justice, but everything is is now a political type of a justice, whether it's environmental or social or racial or, you know, gender, whatever you want to call it. That just means you're going to get injustice because it's going to be slanted to one particular type. I love it. We've got to take a break, but I saw a definition, too, of uh, how the Democrats use tolerance. The, the, their idea of tolerance is to preach tolerance, preach it, preach tolerance, but then be intolerant of anyone who disagrees with you. And that's pretty much what happens, what they get away with. Anyway, when we come back, we're going to talk about the Secular Democrats of America. This is an organization that is trying to influence the Harris-Biden or the Biden-Harris administration. Will they? Um, well, I'll let, we'll talk about that when we come back, what they're trying to get them to do. Plus... Black Lives Matter. If you haven't noticed an increase in subject lines, plot lines on TV, we'll talk a little bit about that, how uh, radicalism is on your TV screen. You might not even know it. More with Chris Quintana in just a minute. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. All right, we're back with Pastor Chris Quintana. And now, let's talk about the Secular Democrats of America. And if you're... It's a 28-page document, but these are people that obviously have been promoting the lie. It's one of the biggest lies in the nation of the separation of church and state, the very opposite of what our founders intended, the very opposite of how Christians should live as salt and light. But they, the left and secular progressives, they don't want anything to do with the Christian faith. They don't want our influence. Get that salt out of here. Get the light of Christ away from us. Uh, We want to just be happy and do our deeds of darkness. So, Chris, Secular Democrats of America is a 28-page document, but just a couple things. They see Christians as a Christian nationalist movement giving cover for white supremacy. Um, And uh, this group is urging the Biden administration— to strip First Amendment rights from Christians who advocate for traditional biblical positions on sanctity of life, marriage between one man and one woman, education, and the family, the nuclear family. Uh, just your thoughts on some of these, these groups coming forward now. We know they believe this. They've always been kind of working behind the scenes, and now— they're coming out openly and saying, this is what we want. Yeah, so it's the chain of custody. So 
they realize they've always had these views, but now they can do something with them because they now have an administration that will listen. Mm. And, you know, the old saying about uh, elections have consequences. They genuinely do. And now you have emboldened a group of people who have been kind of clandestine, don't know a whole lot about it. You know that they're there. But now they're wanting to see public policy reflect their kinds of views to the point where you want to see some of them are advocating straight up just about to the point of rounding those people up and trying to change the way that they think. You know, that that's like, OK, I get it. That happens in the third world. But people, if they don't understand this, they weren't paying attention. Mm. This is the narrative that was created was that Trump was the problem and we have to get rid of him, never even thinking about what would happen of his replacement getting put in place and who stood behind him. Because all you need to do is watch about five minutes of Biden and you realize there's not a whole lot going on there. Mm -hmm. But who is it that keeps writing these executive orders and then putting them in front of him to sign? Those are the scary people and those are the people who are uh, allowing for all of this. Well, these are the people that are wanting to change America and, as Barack Obama said, to fundamentally transform the United States of America. They did a lot in eight years in the Obama-Biden administration, and now they're back for more. This is uh, round two. Um, Some of these extremists in the Secular Democrats of America are encouraging—and we've heard this rhetoric be used openly uh, many times recently— They're encouraging sending Christians to re-education camps. We talked about Katie Couric coming out a couple weeks ago on an interview, one of the late-night radical leftist progressive comedians on a late-night show. I don't remember what one it was. But she said, uh, we almost have to think about how to deprogram these Trump supporters. I paraphrased it, but she used the word deprogram. That's Katie Couric. She's not looked typically as a left winger. I know she's a discredited former uh, so-called journalist, but she used the word deprogram in this Secular Democrats of America, re-education camps. You said it right, Chris. They not only want to, they disagree with us, right, but now they want to change what we believe as it's not even valid anymore. We, we have to be reconditioned because we're brainwashed, right? And that's precisely, and they'll say it as much as that. They'll say that somehow, you know, I, I guess that they must look at uh, at Trump as as some kind of figure that was able to, you know, have control over the minds of the people who supported him. And now they need to get to the point where they have to have re-education camps and things like that. They, it's it's crazy to hear someone say it, but you hear so many say it, mm-hmm. and some very, very powerful people also saying it. And you just go, you know, this is really a frightening thing because as myself, I voted for, for President Trump in the last two elections, and I did so because he didn't want what's going on in the country right now to ever take root. Yeah. And if that means I need to be deprogrammed, it means I don't want to have anything to do with what's currently going on. That isn't anything has to do with Trump. That's just because I don't agree with that kind of government control and power over people's lives. But if that puts me on the radar, goodness, what what have we become? Mm -hmm. And one thing I think we need to talk more about in the coming days and weeks and months ahead is what many of us have been talking about, maybe just not as often as we could have, is cultural Marxism. What is that? What is the thinking behind it? Of course, Karl Marx, he just hated Christianity. But we need to talk about what, how that has really taken root in every aspect of American culture and society. But um, we've got to move on. One thing you said about that, the, the, you know, we've, I voted for President Trump, and I can, I can proudly say I supported his policies. Um, I will never be a Trump apologist and, and defend his, his past. I mean, I can, can't even depend, defend my past. Um, his behaviors, his tweets, his... Uh, you know, just the way he came off sometimes as thin skin. But his when it comes to what he did for the country, I don't it, people that don't have level heads couldn't even acknowledge that. And here we got people like John Piper, who discouraged believers from even voting in the November election. People like Beth Moore 
saying uh, Trump is dangerous to the saints of God, to the Christian church. So we know what side she's on, right? The progressive Beth Moore. Just your thoughts on some Christian leaders kind of at least weighing into this, maybe taking sides, but maybe weighing in on this. And now we're going to live with the consequences. Well, the thing that really frustrates me when I hear that and they start poking at at, uh, Trump and his past and his present, then I want to say, great. Then if you had the total alternative in the person that he was running against, then you might have something to speak about. But if you want to try to tell me that on a personality level and on a past level, that somehow Biden is preferable, give me a break. Mm. That's just silly. And it's embarrassing that it comes from people that allegedly come from the same view of things that we do. See, I think the, the that whole myth of separation of church and state has, has had a many different ways that it has uh, infected the church. And part of that is to, to hold people to standards as though somehow we're electing a pastor. And it's like, no, no, I, I, I can't think of the last time a, quote, politician was someone that I could say, I can give my full-throated, wholehearted endorsement. There's nothing I disagree with them on from a biblical point of view. That person doesn't exist. So I want the person who can represent my values better. And for me to say, and he had four years to demonstrate it, his track record was impeccable on this stuff of faith, matters of faith for me, compared to other politicians. Yep. Trump did exactly what he said he was going to do. And I know that he's the antithesis of what the Biden administration would be. So it was an easy choice for me. Well, for me, too. But I was pleasantly surprised. I had no idea how strong he would be standing up for not only religious freedoms and uh, even persecuted Christians around the world, but on the issue of life in the womb. My goodness. And of course, his, his appointments, Supreme Court and judges. But um, I can't defend everything he did. Of course, Israel, standing for Israel. But I want to get to one more story, Chris, before we, we have to wrap up our time together in, in about five, six minutes here. There's an article over at Newsbusters called BLM TV, meaning Black Lives Matter. BLM TV, race radicalism takes over the TV season. Now, this is part of cultural Marxism, another clue that it is infiltrating our culture. This is the en- entertainment industry um, on the media culture blog over there between September and January they flagged 38 new scripted TV episodes that injected that were injected with racial strife basically what they said was uh, that virtue signaling is is just like all over the place the last few months of popular TV have been one long overdose of virtue signaling and they're any show that had anything to do with African-Americans, they injected this Black Lives Matter theme or something to do with that in the storylines. And I'll let you respond, Chris, when I just mention one more thing. Just one of all these 38 episodes on primetime television, just one, and that was Blue Bloods, only one rejected Black Lives Matter grievance narrative of violent cops enforcing systemic racism only one out of 38 and that's just in this one study so your thoughts on this a lot of us have been noticing this on tv and go oh that's interesting they're starting to write that but most people are oblivious to this and it will go right back to where we were the idea of programming they want to deprogram us but they want to program the thought process of everyone else so I've, you and I have, again, talked about this before. As far as BLM is concerned, if it's the concept that Black Lives Matter, great. If it's the organization, no thank you. They, in their own words, say we are trained Marxists. I've watched the video of the woman saying it. So the yep. the whole premise of BLM, I always want to say, well, when you throw that at me, what do you mean by BLM? That Black Lives Matter, great. Fine. But if you're talking about the political organization, we're no longer talking about the same thing. So define your terms. I read something recently that and I wish I could paraphrase what uh, Dr. Urban Lutzer said about how he described that the idea of a slogan of Black Lives Matter, the wonderful sounding true statement was used to form and push this agenda and this radical movement that is now globally uh, financed and uh, impactful for the left. But um, a couple more, th- just actually one more thing, Chris. You've been teaching through the book of John, the Gospel of John, 
And I just want to give people just some encouragement before we have to let you go. You've been talking about imagine being in the room when Jesus tells you his departure from this world was imminent. And uh, then imagine that he tells you that as the world has hated him, so it will hate you. Um, We shouldn't be surprised by what's happening, but just looking back at all that's happened in over 2,000 years, we can try to put ourselves there and go, okay, God, how can it be better with Jesus leaving because we have his Holy Spirit? And so I just want to have you close out with these thoughts. Yeah, that was uh, just last night that went up. So that's the part of chapter 16 where we are. And as it kind of came to my mind, it's, it was him basically saying, guys, we weren't expected to grow old together. Mm-hmm. I was here to do what I did. And uh, that the idea that he could replicate himself in them by the work of the Holy Spirit is why he was telling them what he was telling them. I'm going to be gone, but I'm not going to leave you without an alternative. So uh, the promise of the Holy Spirit, and that extends past them to us, that in these days we're not left abandoned. But we also want to remember that we're here but for a time and not to be so so attached to this world that when we leave, we're going to leave fingernail marks in the pavement. <laughs> I just find it fascinating that uh, we have the same Holy Spirit, right? That same power. And uh, when he said it's better for them that he leave, I can't even imagine being in their shoes and hearing or being in their sandals and hearing that. What do you mean? We've lived with you for three years. We've walked with you. We've heard your teachings. You are God. We saw your miracles. And you're saying it's better if you leave because he knew that he wasn't going to be there permanently and he was going to send the Holy Spirit. Um, Chris Quintana, thank you so much. It goes by so fast. There's always so much to talk about. But thank you for your perspective. And God willing, we will see you Uh, When you come up here in April to the Prophecy Conference, right? Yes, we'll be there. Yep, and we'll talk to you before then on this podcast. God bless you, brother. Have a great weekend. Thanks, you too. All right, when we come back, we'll let you know our guests next week on the podcast on Stand Up For The Truth. Keep it right here. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up for the Truth. All right, next week, Monday, Dr. Scott Lively is going to be with us. And Tuesday, Tina Marie Griffin. We haven't caught up with her in quite some time. She now uh, is a contributor over at Freedom Project Media, as I am, and Alex Newman and uh, love Dr. Duke Pesta. But so Tina Marie Griffin will be on this podcast next Tuesday. She, of course, known as the counterculture mom. John Haller will be with us on Thursday. He has just wonderful prophecy updates. He does every Sunday through, I think it's Fellowship Bible Chapel, Chapel in Ohio. You can look those up on YouTube. And I'm sure he's moving over to Rumble or trying to. Um, I'm amazed he hasn't been deleted from there. But anyway, he talks about some amazing things from a biblical worldview, world events, and prophecy. Um, And you will hear the replay broadcast on Wednesday next week of Pastor Steve Smotherman. Um, Man, i got to get him back on to live. But anyway, so many more guests to come. Um, We'll let you know as the uh, weeks progress. But if you have a suggestion, email comments at standupforthetruth.com. Stay warm if you're in the Midwest and the North. Stay warm. Have a great weekend. Thank you again for your prayers and your support. And as always, God bless you and keep speaking the truth about things that matter.